Well, we are going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. If you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and get there and uh, be prepared. But I don't know about you, I, I love Christmas. Christmas has always been one of those times of the year that I look forward to. Uh, as a child, it was probably looking forward to what Santa would bring on Christmas morning. And by 7 o'clock, the entire family would come over. We would have breakfast together. Then everybody would go home. We would be at my grandmother's house at 2 o'clock in the afternoon for family dinner. And then we would all stay there till about 5 o'clock, go home and shower maybe, and then go to my other aunt's for Christmas Eve or Christmas night desserts. We would stay there, and then we'd all spend the night and get up and go shopping in the morning. I mean, it was insanity. But I loved it because it was family, and we got to spend Christmas together. And there was nothing like that. For some of us, when we think about Christmas, we think about the festivities of Christmas. We think about the Christmas parties, the office parties, all the different things that we do, the Christmas decorations. Everywhere you go, you're seeing all kinds of uh, hearing songs and everything going on. So we think about the festivities. For some of us, like me, I think about when it comes to Christmas, I think about food, right? I mean, all the incredible food. Uh, My favorite is sweet potato casserole, sweet potato, anything I love. My mom makes a chocolate pound cake that is amazing that I love at Christmas. And so we think about all kinds of different things. Some of us, if we're honest, we also think about the financial impact of Christmas. Like, oh my gosh, all these gifts I have to buy, like I have to buy this, this, and this. And then we think we bought everything. And then somebody gives us a gift and we're like, oh my gosh, I didn't buy that person anything. And I got to go buy them something now. And I, I looked online and it said that annually, uh, people add about $1,000 of debt to their life at Christmas uh, by buying Christmas gifts. It usually takes them five months to pay that off. And so by May or June, people are finally paying off what they expend on Christmas. Uh, for others, uh, you know, we have different feelings at Christmas. For some of us, it reminds us of things that we've lost during the year of people that we've lost of for some of us, it even brings up feelings of loneliness, of not being able to be around family and things like that. And then for those of us sitting in this room, I think it also brings up faith, right? That, that we actually get to celebrate the birth of Christ and who he was and remember the joy of our salvation. And the truth is, for us to have a full picture of Christmas, we, we probably have to take a little piece of all of those. You know, it has to do with family and festivities and, and even food and and faith and how we feel. And as we take in all those perspectives, perspectives, we get a better picture of Christmas. And so over the next three weeks, I want us to actually look at the original Christmas story through some different perspectives, through people's different people's eyes that actually experienced or brought the news of Christmas. This week, we're going to look at what the angels said when they first announced the birth of Christ. Next week, We'll look at what the shepherds did after they heard from the angels. And then finally, we're going to look at what the wise men gave and uh, how they brought gifts to Jesus. And so through this study and these stories, as we experience the birth of Messiah, we're going to do so by seeing maybe a full perspective that helps us see the Christmas story in a new way. But before we do that, before we experience that story, I want us to maybe take it back and understand some of the culture and context of what's going on at this point, of why this baby 
uh, Jesus and this birth of the Messiah is so important. So uh, if you know anything about history at that point, the nation of Israel was in exile. Their their promised land was uh, in, they were being occupied by the, the Roman uh, Empire at that time. Their covenant with God that they had had for so many years seemed like it was in shambles because of their rebellion. They were a people without a land and really without a home, and they were crying out to God for him to restore the hope that they once had. And for hundreds of years they had been doing this, and it felt like God had been silent. And they were praying, God, send the Messiah. Would you send the Messiah, and they began to pray for deliverance and restoration and wanted God to bring back the glory that once was. And so let's pick up this story and see what actually happens. And so Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read 1 through 7 to begin with, and it says this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration since Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He did this to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. So if you're, if you're reading this story to begin with and you don't understand any of the context, you may be like, why is this story even in the Bible? This poor Jewish couple that is being basically having a forced relocation put on them and they have a baby. They don't even have money to, to live somewhere when they get there. Why is this story in the Bible? And yet we're about to learn that there is something very unique about this child, something about this story that is literally going to change the world and, and meet a need that, that not just the nation of Israel, but the people of the world have been longing for for their entire lives, peace, hope, joy, and love. All of this is going to come through this birth of this child to this poor Jewish family. No one was expecting it this way. No one had any idea what was happening in Bethlehem that day until the angels showed up. There wasn't this big birth announcement that people in Bethlehem were like, hey, the Messiah is being born tonight. Nobody knew it. It was this quiet event happening probably in a barn or a cave where the, this, late, this poor Jewish couple was giving birth to a baby. But yet in just a moment after the birth, there was this angelic announcement. And so let's pick up now and see what the angels actually said. Verse 8 through 10, it says, Then in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, before we look at verse 10 and what the angels actually said, we're going to see that the angel is going to say three specific things here that help us understand who this child is. And so look at verse 10, and we'll see the first thing that the angel said. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So the first thing the angel announcement does is this. It removes fear and brings hope. Do you hear what they said? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news that will be for all the people. I don't know about if you, but if I was those shepherds and all of a sudden this angel appeared to me, I'd be so thankful that the first thing out of his mouth was fear not instead of woe is you. 
right? I mean, if these Jewish shepherds knew the scripture and they understood when an angel showed up, it wasn't always a good thing. Like sometimes judgment was coming and I can imagine like, oh my gosh, we're about to die or about to have the best moment of our life. Which one? And when the angel says, fear not for behold, the word behold there literally means look at me, listen intently. I have something that you will want to hear. And so the angel grabs the attention of the shepherds and is like, I'm about to tell you something that you've never heard before. I'm about to give you a message from God. And the message begins with dispelling fear. Take the fear away. The nation of Israel had lived in fear for so long. They had lived in fear of the Roman Empire, the fear that God had abandoned them, the fear of their future for their culture. And in this very moment, the angel's first word says, listen to me. From this point on, fear is gone. Fear is gone. And the news of the coming Messiah drives out fear, not just for the shepherd and the Israelites, but also for us, also for you and I. The Messiah deals with our doubts and our despair. His coming drives out fear, and it brings what we see the next thing. It brings good news of great joy. That's what the angels say, that there is about to share with the shepherd something that uh, is not just fearful, but it is in, it's not fearful, but it is a great news of incredible joy. There's never been an angel announcement like this before. What they're about to the, tell the shepherds will not only change their lives in that moment, but will change their lives forever. And the same is true for us. The news of this Messiah is not just a historical event that we celebrate annually at Christmas. It is the good news and great joy that impacts our lives on a daily basis. Every day of our life, we can live without fear and live with what they're bringing, which is hope. The Messiah brings hope, a hope that endures, that can be experienced no matter your current circumstances, no matter what you're facing in this moment or what you'll face in the moments ahead. So he's saying, fear not, there's great news. Now, if you're the, if you're the, uh, the shepherds at this point, you're probably thinking, you know, you might be thinking they're about to tell us something incredible like the Messiah is coming. They, they were wanting this. And so that, that may have been going through their mind. And then the, the shepherd, the angels say the next part, which it says, this is good news of great joy for all people. And this is maybe when the announcement starts to go in a direction that's unexpected for the shepherds. Because the Jewish people at that time, the good news of the Messiah that they wanted, thought that it was going to come so that Israel would be reestablished as the center of the world. So that they would, Israel was back. Like they they were the ones, uh, they were about to rise again. They were going to take over and show everyone who they were. And the angels say this good news is not just for the people of Israel, but it is for all people. And this is part of the majestic beauty of, of who Jesus is and the Messiah that God sent. This great news isn't just for some people. It is for all people. There is no nation, no people group, no individual that is now without hope. The Messiah that is coming brings hope for all people. As difficult as this was maybe for the shepherds to take in, you know, it's also difficult for us. You know, this is God's way of reminding us from the very beginning that Jesus' time on earth, that this kingdom is not one that discriminates or diminishes the value of anyone. This is not the news that we use for ourselves and use to harm other people. 
It is good news for everyone. It takes those that were on the outside and now puts them on the inside. I, I see this play out almost every day when I ride the subway, especially when it's crowded. Uh, I get on at Vernon Jackson, probably like many of you do, and in the morning it is just packed full heading into Grand Central, right? And I, I know sometimes I try to get on and people are like, there's no more room, there's no more room. And we're always like, there's room for one more, right? And you, you push on, you you get on and people are like, no, no. And you're like, yeah, there's room for one more. And you get on and you finally get there. And then you get to the next stop and there's new people trying to get on. You're like, no, there's no more room. You stay out. You know, it's like all of a sudden you became the inside and you don't want the other people that are out in. And that's not what the gospel is. The gospel is there's always room for one more. Always. It is not for one group, one person. It is for everyone. And so the angel first says that there is, that listen, there is no fear anymore. There is good news of great joy that is for all the people. Look now in verse 11 and 12, and we'll see what they say next. It says, now for unto you, the angel says, unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so what we see here is next, the announcement reveals the nature of who Jesus really is. Who is he? In just two sentences, the angel lays out the framework for exactly who this baby and this Messiah is. He is no ordinary baby, and his nature is both greater and different than anything anyone has ever experienced. The first thing the angel says is this, that he is our Savior, Christ the Lord. This is the news the shepherds were wanting to hear, that the Messiah is here. Jesus is here. The conquering king is coming, our Savior, Christ the Lord the Lord. This reveals the divine nature of who Jesus is. He is beyond us. And since he is beyond us, he is able to bring salvation because he is supernatural. He is outside of our circumstances and can reach into our lives and save us. I imagine the shepherds were thinking the Messiah would probably soon be following this angel as this conquering king descending onto the earth. But what the angel said next must have caught them completely off guard because he says, you will find this savior. This will be the sign as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. What an incredible thought for those shepherds. And and even for us, this would have been a shock to them. The Messiah they were promised was a King, not a baby. Like this baby, that is the Messiah. And what the amazing thing though, is this reveals the human nature of who Jesus is, that he's not just divine in nature, but he is also completely human. And while his divinity places him beyond us, his humanity sets him with us where he is literally God with us. And what the angel is saying is literally God is coming to dwell among you. And he is coming just like every other human comes as a baby, the frailty of this baby. God comes instead as this human baby with all the frailty, but yet with the power to deliver hope for all of mankind. The frailty of Jesus, even as a child, brings hope because it is God coming in the form of man to bring hope. And so that would shock the shepherds. But what they said, what the angel says next would probably even throw them for a bigger loop. And he says, you will find him laying in a manger. 
If you don't know what a manger is, it's literally a feeding trough for animals. And so if you're thinking as these shepherds, okay, well, he's coming as a baby. He's probably at least coming to the wealthiest of our Jewish families, right? He's coming to the, the most prominent of families, and he will be celebrated, you know, for everyone to see. And the angel says, no, you're going to find him in a manger, in a feeding trough, out in a barn, in a cave, to a couple that has no money to even find a place to stay for the night. He would, he's not going to come to the wealthiest. He's going to come to the lowest. And you know what this reveals about Jesus? It reveals his compassionate nature. From the very beginning, Jesus was connected to the weak, the vulnerable, and the marginalized. He didn't come as a king or to be a king, but to bring hope for the hopeless and to serve those that he created. Jesus did not come as a king to just disseminate justice and to wipe out enemies. He came to bring love, grace, peace, and hope for all mankind. He's a compassionate Savior. I don't know about you, but if you put yourself in those shepherds' situation, that would be overwhelming. This idea that, that Jesus, this Messiah, this conquering king that you've been wanting for so long, is literally coming as a baby, as a human, to a poor and marginalized family. I want you to see here what that does. Is it helps us realize that God does not work how we expect him to work. God does not work according to our plans and our perceptions and our guidelines. He doesn't ask our permission. He doesn't even ask our input. God does and works the way that he does because he knows what's best. Because he has a plan that is greater than any that we can imagine. He knew who the Messiah, what the Messiah was going to do from the day Jesus was born to the day he would die to the day he would raise and ascend. He had a plan to bring salvation for all mankind, not to conquer the world. And that's what we see next when we read in verse 13 and 14, the last thing that the angels say here. And it said, and suddenly there was with this one angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with him whom he is pleased. And so the last thing we see here is that the announcement bring rejoices in God's peace. The angel announcement helps us rejoice in God's peace. So it's glory to God in the highest. This is a reminder to all of us that God is the highest. There's nothing beyond him. There's nothing higher than our God. There's nothing controlling him. He is not God of a God, but he is the God, the God of all creation, the God of all truth, and the God of all glory. And then it says to this, and then on earth, peace on whom he is pleased. This reveals the reason for the Messiah, and his reason is to bring peace, peace between God and and man. When we hear this part of the story, we often hear it at the angel's announcement as peace on earth, that the angels are co- that the Messiah is coming to bring world peace. Is that because the Messiah comes, there'll be no more war, there'll be no conflict, there'll be no more misunderstandings. We will have world peace, but that's not what the angels are saying here. They're actually saying that the Messiah's coming is to restore peace between man and God, his creator. That's the first experience of peace we must have is between ourselves and our creator 
It's a peace that was broken by our sinful rebellion, and yet God made a way for us to have peace with him. And when we do that, then we can have peace with one another. And here's the mistake we make. We think that we can make peace with each other without having peace with who we are in the sight of God. But when we can first understand that we have peace with God, then we can have peace with others. I want to clarify one thing about peace with God, because I've, I've heard this taught many times. I even hear it said in churches sometimes that it's up to you and I to make peace with God. Is that what would you do to make peace with God? How do you make peace with God? Can I tell you something this morning? It's not up to you to make peace with God. God has already made peace with you. God has provided peace for you. And when we think it's up to us that we have somehow, you know, we've angered God, that he feels betrayed, that we've got to do something to make it up to him, and we need to make peace with him, we forget that he has already provided and made peace with us. That's why there's no fear. That's why there's great joy and good news. This is Christmas. The peace of God made known to man through the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Glory to God for the good news that is great joy for all people. That's Christmas. That's what the angels were announcing. This incredible news that peace can now be made between God and man. So let me ask you this question. Has the announcement of the birth of Messiah impacted your life? Has it really impacted your life? Is it just a season that you celebrate? Is it a busyness? Is it going to parties? Is it eating food? Is it just the craziness of the schedule that maybe we keep around Christmas? Or is this incredible announcement that the Messiah has come to bring peace between man and God impacted your life? Are you still living in fear instead of hope? Are you still trying to somehow make peace with God instead of accepting the peace that he has made with you? Today, would you allow the good news of Christmas to penetrate your heart, soul, and mind and to drive out all fear? And would you also allow the great joy of God's peace to wipe away any shame, guilt, and despair that is keeping you from experiencing the peace with God and peace with others? Would you join me as we pray this morning? As we have our time of prayer and Response, I just want to challenge you to take a moment in the quiet and stillness uh, of this time to just ponder that question. How has the birth and the announcement of the birth of this Messiah impacted your life? Is it just something you know? Is it just something you look back on historically? Or is this good news of great joy? impacting your life on a daily basis. Father, we come to you today, and some of us live daily in fear. And we need to hear this morning, just as the angel said to the shepherds, fear not, for there is good news of great joy. God, help us to embrace this good news of great joy. God, help it to drive out the fear of our life. Help us to know that we do not have to live in shame and in guilt and despair anymore, that what we can live out of your hope and out of your peace. And God, help us this morning not to try to do things to make peace with you, 
but to help us to live out of the peace that you've already given to us. Father, may we begin this Christmas season living out the joy of the announcement of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus, God with us, this divinely human man of compassion. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.